Hello, listeners. Welcome to Educational Landscapes, Lessons from Leaders. On today's episode, we're going to learn from Nasoma Bumpers. Welcome to the show, Zomi. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me. Oh, absolutely. So to get us going, what is your or are your educational leadership titles? All right. Well, I have quite a few, but um, my primary role is I'm the Chief of Education and Professional Development for our Office of Advanced Practice Providers. And then probably my next role would be um, the co-director of our Winship Oncology um, APP Fellowship. The other thing that I really love is not education, but it's my patient care role. <laughs> and I'm a physician assistant. Of course, I work at Winship and um, I take care of patients in our um, Rollins Immediate Care Center. That's wonderful. Um, can you tell our listeners, in case they don't know, what is an APP, Advanced Practice oh. Professional? Absolutely. So yes, that includes like our physician assistants or associates. Um, it includes our nurse practitioners and there's various, you know, nurse practitioners and certifications. Um, it also includes like our, um, uh, oh, my mind is blanking. We have so many, like our nurse midwives and our anesthetists and um, it also includes that group. So we're all grouped under advanced practice providers. Thank you. So what do you do in your various educational leadership roles? Sure. So for my uh, chief role, the best part about that is, so probably several years ago, um, Bonnie Prue, who's our um, director of advanced practice providers, she joined Emory. And so she recognized the need for, you know, continuing education within Emory for our um, advanced practice providers. So um, one of the great things I've had to do was I created our onboarding and orientation program for all APPs who come into Emory Healthcare. Um, you know, different groups have, you know, different types of orientation, but we found that we wanted something that was more um, like a blanket for the whole system. And so that was great. We set kind of timelines based on if you're a new graduate or have experience. But, you know, we found as for most positions, you know, if you have a good orientation, you're more likely to stay within the system. So that has been re very rewarding. I love working with new grads. I find like that's a very sensitive time. You're starting a new job. Even though I've been a PA for 20 years, I still remember my first day and how terrified I was. And I had no orientation back then. You just went and you saw the patient. So it's been great to provide that opportunity, you know, especially for our new grads. Um, the other really fun, and this is what I like about my job because I get to do like fun things. So um, we've created our own uh, CME conference. It's a two or three day conference. Um, we're gonna be back, in, be back in person this year. So that's great. It's called Updates in Medicine. So it's a really great uh, conference where we give CME. We also have our preceptor workshop. Um, we have a skills lab and an ultrasound course. So all these things that we're able to offer our advanced practice providers. And Bonnie has been you know, essential in making that happen for us. Um, and my role is um, for our um, fellowship. That's also fun because you take, our fellowship is for people who have, um, you know, they completed their degrees, their PAs and nurse practitioners, but they want to get a more intensive year in oncology. 
So you really get to be creative. You get to give them both a good didactic experience and a good clinical experience. So I get to use my creative brain a lot, which is wonderful. I love that. That's so important to be able to use our creative brain, not just our, you know, as people say, logic brain, the two work beautifully together. And as I hear you, you really support the full spectrum from when they're coming in new, when they're on the way and so on. So that's wonderful. Congratulations. Thank you. What skills do you use given all these things that you have to do? Well, the biggest one I find is communication. It's very interesting. Like people have a lot of different ideas and thoughts and you meet so many different people from like the healthcare team. And so you really want to you know, go and kind of, I enjoy like going to talk to everybody and see like, what do they think are the needs or what have they identified might need some work or, you know, how can we educate, you know, kind of the masses. So I think the biggest one is communication. Um, one that I am really good at, probably too much, is the nurturing role. <laughs> so you definitely learn to be a nurturer. You know, like I said, it's a scary time when you're starting your first job, lots of uncertainties. So I'm a nurturer. Most of my fellows and different people I meet call me Mama Bear because I am. I love you and I will get ferocious if you're not being treated well. I am definitely the mama bear. Um, so nurturing, compassion, great communication, you know, negotiating, mentoring, a lot of those kind of roles and skills and soft skills and things like that. I love, I love you highlighting the mama bear. I think uh, a lot of us wouldn't mind having a mama bear <laughs> to yeah. help us out in some of the situations we get into at work. Oh yeah. <laughs> So what was your journey that led to these roles that you have? So a lot of it really just kind of fell into my lap. Like, I think because I was always willing to say yes. Sometimes mm -hmm. my mind, I thought, oof, I don't know about this. I'm not so sure this is really meant for me. But instead, my mouth said yes. My brain was going, don't do it. <laughs> but because I was open to, you know, trying things, a lot of these opportunities fell in my lap. But I will say just kind of going back when I was, I was a respiratory therapist before I became a PA. And so, yeah, I precepted um, respiratory therapy students. When I finished PA school, I immediately when I came to Emory, I connected with the uh, School of Medicine and started precepting um, Emory PA students. And then, um, so for Winship, we wanted like a dedicated um, clinical rotation. So we actually created a clinical rotation for any, um, any APPs interested in oncology. And I was fortunate that um, Sharice Gleason, she's our chief at um, for Winship, but she's always been very kind of education-minded and focused and realized the importance. And so she has been really like my one of my biggest, you know, encouragers, mentors, and has been behind me and sometimes really just like pushed me and said, you're going to do it because I don't have anybody else that I think can do it as well as you, so you're going to do it. So sometimes she just made me do it. But then I was like, oh, thank God, I love it. Thank you so much for this opportunity. But um, a lot, so we started out by developing our clinical rotation and that was a great success. And then we were kind of looking around and evaluating like our, our APPs that we were hiring. And a lot of them were brand new grads. And, you know, going into oncology as a brand new grad is really tough. Like that's a huge kind of mountain to climb and it usually takes a good year. But we weren't doing them justice with orientation. 
So then we kind of said, okay, let's create an actual or, you know, orientation onboarding program. So we did that. And then when Bonnie started, she was like the same like mine. We were all like very like-minded people. Just like, we need to do this for every healthcare as a whole. And so then I kind of morphed from Winship and moved into the Emory Healthcare setting. And then that's where I became the chief. And then we also um, decided, you know, we're going to go ahead and create this oncology fellowship. So all those just kind of came into my lap. I've also done some mentorship, you know, I've done um, creative survivorship clinic. That was one I was really like, oh, no, I don't want to do that. It's too much writing. You have to dictate all these notes. I'm like, this is not for me. I hate dictating notes. <laughs> but it really was a joy to work with the patients. You know, they were like five and six years out from treatment. And so it was nice to see that they moved along with life. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. And I, I love that you are highlighting that uh, what I call being voluntold yes. is sometimes quite beneficial in the long run. I think they saw more in me, you know, at that time than, you know, than I knew that was there. But thank goodness they did. Indeed, indeed. I'm sure the patients, the learners that you interact with are thinking, oh, thank goodness, Bonnie, for what you did pushing her forward. <laughs> <laughs> so as you reflect a bit, um, given the things that you do, uh, what do you wish you knew before stepping into these roles? Well, I think, and I kind of mentioned this, um, you know, we had talked previously, but I didn't have a formal, like, background in education. That's not really something that's offered for APPs. At least it wasn't, you know, back when I, you know, started. So I just kind of would kind of read independently, look at articles. Um, I have another mentor, Dr. Mary Jo Lekowitz, who would work with me and say, hey, you should read this or give me advice. Um, but I didn't have anything like a formal education. Um, now, though, there's so much more available. Like we have the We Teaching Fellowship. You have, um, you know, programs that offer, you know, training and education, leadership, research, like there's way more available. So I highly recommend, like, if you have interest in education or interest in precepting to kind of go the next level and see, you know, kind of what's out there, what can I learn from? Because it's definitely, it's made a huge difference Actually, I'm walking, going backwards, but getting that foundation from the We Teaching Fellowship. Yeah, that's been great. That's wonderful. And as you talk about, you know, these additional uh, opportunities that have come about uh, for education, leadership, have you found um, that they are within Emory or within like your professional organizations? I would say so there's a lot more available now within Emory. Okay. Um, you know, that wasn't available before. And especially to APPs, it's not been extremely open for APPs. You've mm -hmm. seen some of it for physicians or nurses, but now there's, you know, the opportunity for the fellowship is there, which is great. And they have, you know, advanced practice providers there. Um, you can actually audit some classes. Oh. Yeah, like at the Rollins School of Public Health, you can do some audits. So there's some more opportunities out there. You have some, um, which I would like love to see offered within Emory, but there are some programs outside of Emory, like Vanderbilt is really good about offering advanced practice provider um, education. And then they also have, um, you know, for nurses, they have the DNP, 
um, says doctor of nursing practice. And then they have um, a doctorate program for PAs now. And it's interesting when I looked at the curriculum, I mean, it's so identical for the teaching fellowship. They should they have a teaching track. They have like a leadership track and a teaching track. And I thought, oh, look at this. But I got Emory's fellowship program. <laughs> so I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Very it, nice you know, to hear. Kudos. I mean, people are paying like, you know, forty and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars to get their doctorate. So you all, yeah, it's been amazing to get that opportunity here at Emory. That is wonderful. That is wonderful. So I know we, we've, we're tapping into this idea of continuing professional development. And so are there any other things that you do in, um, in, in terms of supporting your continuing professional development, given all you have to do in your role? <laughs> well, we are, one of the things that, um, you know, that we're, we're actively working for here in the Office of Advanced Practice is kind of building professional development you know, for our group as a whole. So um, we're, we're working with preceptors, providing preceptor education. Um, one of the other things we really want to do is to develop like a uh, research symposium. That's another area, like we, we don't get a ton of exposure for research, but we do have APPs that are very interested, you know, in research and research education. So um, we're working on building, you know, creating a research symposium. So there are a lot of, you know, like outside opportunities, but we really want to bring those opportunities, you know, here to Emory and make it available. Yeah, that would be good because then you really can contextualize the offerings to kind of align with the needs that are there in Emory. Yep, absolutely. Okay. So what advice would you give someone interested in doing the same type of leadership roles you currently have? Well, my first thing would be your, what you can do personally is your attitude, Mm -hmm. right? You want to always have an attitude of, well, yes, let me try that, right? When people come to you with ideas or thoughts, um, try to make yourself open for the experience. You know, it is just normal to feel afraid or, I always, I, I often have imposter syndrome <laughs> about everything that I do that's new. I'm thinking, why me? This, I don't know what they're seeing. This, uh-uh. That's always my immediate. But like, try to like have confidence, open yourself up to new opportunities and ideas. Because usually it just is something that kind of falls into your lap. So try to have the right mindset of, oh, let me try something different. You know, and it's okay to have failures. We're going to have failures. Um, so that's the first thing is just kind of having the right attitude and being willing to learn something new. Um, I would say definitely look and see what opportunities are available, whether it's, you know, here at Emory, if you're listening and you're, you know, from somewhere else, look and see what's available within your institution, look outside, see what programs, you know, things like that, but try to find something where you can get a good kind of foundation and learn the terminology and the different methods and also think about the group that you're going to be working with you know is it young adult learners are they you know new to their profession are they somebody who's like mid-year mid-career or you know but those are the main things is try to find ways to support your continuing education as well thank you that is 
Very insightful, um, especially as you said, the importance of attitude. And I think it's that attitude that probably probably helps you get past that imposter syndrome. Yes, I agree. <laughs> you know, and I always there's like this, I'm truly a lifelong learner. You know, I I really enjoy learning. It's just something about it, you know. Every day is something, whether it's a patient that I see and I go, oh, I've never heard of this. Or, you know, you just being a lifelong learner is just that's it's wonderful. And I encourage people to always be that way. Very wise words from an education leader. <laughs> so as you think about, um, you know, the stuff that you do, the roles you have, how do you view succession planning? Good question. So I am really this, I've been here 20 years. I am looking at retiring by my 25th year. And as I think about it, right, we're not, we're not always good about thinking ahead. You know, I am a firm believer that if the person in the role has been there for 20, 25, 30 years, that's just too long. <laughs> you need fresh ideas. <laughs> so I've never wanted to be in a spot for like, you know, 20 years. So when I took this role as chief of education, I thought, oh, I could do this role for about five years, kind of reach some of the goals that I want to set, and then hand it off to the next person. So as I've gone along and met different people, there are definitely some key people in my mind who I would like to have as part of my succession plan. But I do really recommend that when you take on a role, think ahead, you know, identify people, you want you don't want what you're doing to become stagnant. So I'm a firm believer in secession planning. You know, also what if some you know what if something happened? Where's your how are you going to move things along? You know, so I do I think about that. But if I've identi identified some people that I've worked with really close, I think they're going to be wonderful. Like Takia Horton and Danielle Roberts, like they're amazing. They love education. They do all the things that they do completely for free. Yeah. You realize that in education, a lot of things you do is just your blood, sweat, and tears. There's not like money or things associated with it. <laughs> you do it for the love. And those are the people that I look for. You're doing things for the love of whether it's the person, your profession, you know, that's what I look for in succession. That is so important. Um, and I love that you, as you said, we don't often think ahead, but it is important for us too, because life happens. Yeah, absolutely. So how do you support or expand education in your profession? So I think the big thing is offering a lot more opportunities. And I know I've mentioned this over and over again, but I can just tell you there was just so much that we didn't have available. You know, it's just, ah, it's so wonderful to be able to have these options. And so I do, I want to be a huge part of giving opportunities and options for our APPs. And it's been interesting as I've been in this role, you realize as you talk to other organizations and groups outside of Emory that they feel the same, like they're missing, you know, opportunities for their people. And it's been wonderful to kind of meet with these different groups and go, oh, let's collaborate. You know, let's figure out how we can like advance all of us and give these wonderful opportunities, you know, to people. So um, that's one way is definitely collaborating, not only within Emory, but, you know, outside of Emory as well. 
Um, but that is one of my goals before I retire is to make sure we have something for research, make sure we have something for leadership, make sure we have something for education. So those are kind of my, and mentorship, those are kind of my four things that I really want to expand on, not just for here at Emory, but, you know, outside of Emory as well. That's wonderful. And I'm sure there are many people who will benefit from um, the foundation you're setting. So as you think about that, and you have done some amazing things already so far, what has been one of your greatest successes thus far? So I would say it would have to be starting our, our oncology fellowship. That is, Sharice and I worked on that and talked about it for years and years. And it's like, oh, we should do it. But, you know, there's always a but. But then at some point, it's like, we, we need to just do this. You know, we, it, it may fail. You know, it may, we don't know. But again, that's one of those where I mentioned, you just have to kind of jump out there and, you know, not everything works, but we just decided we're going to do it. We, um, you know, went to a couple of conferences. APP um, fellowships were relatively new. So, yeah, yeah, that was kind of a newer concept, fellowships and residencies. So it's like, there were only maybe one or two in oncology at all. So it's like, we're going to just do this. And we just jumped out there. You know, we kind of built things as we went. <laughs> like It was a real act of just faith, you know. And the one thing I'll say I'm very appreciative is that like our leadership and winship, our physician leaders, our like our nurse leaders, everybody was just really super supportive, which is, you know, kind of how we made all this happen. Um, and they've continued to be just really supportive and wonderful. Um, our next group, well, we're graduating our fourth cohort Friday and our next fifth cohort starts on Tuesday. So we are, you know, it's, it's been an amazing experience. I think what I love about it the most is every um, APP that starts, it's really great to see how they are when they start and then how they are at the end. Like, it's amazing to see the confidence levels. And like, I have one that, um, Julie, that was our fellow. I always tease her. I say, girl, you have surpassed me. Now she teaches me. <laughs> I work in our little media care and she's more urgent care oriented than I am. I'm used to being in a clinic. I'm like, oh, <laughs> what do I do? But she's, you know, she teaches me now, you know, and it's just, it's so amazing to see the growth. And so that's the part I'm just so, so, so proud, you know, of that accomplishment and just so happy that everybody has been really supportive. Yeah. Congratulations, four <laughs> cohorts and a fifth around the corner. Yes, I love them. They are, they're my babies. I just love it. <laughs> How many babies do you have per cohort? Well, let's see. We usually have at least four a year. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it a one-year fellowship? A one-year fellowship. We okay. used to do, um, we used to have them split where we would do two and then every six months we take two, but that was a lot of kind of, yeah. So now we just take four. Okay. Every, yeah. Great, great, great. As you said, you learned as you went, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. Lots of trial and error. <laughs> So building on that trial and erroring, what are or were your biggest growth opportunities thus far? 
Hmm. Growth opportunities. I would say definitely stepping outside of Winship. Mm -hmm. um, that was a huge growth opportunity and a huge experience. Like, you know, I have been a Winship person since I started in 2002. That has been my home. I've gone from multiple different roles. I've pr probably done every role you can do within Winship. Like everyone I've done. Solid tumor, liquid tumor, transplant, like lung cancer. I've done them all. So um, when the opportunity to came, came to with Bonnie to step outside and work within Emory Healthcare as a whole, I was very nervous. You know, as I thought, oh, I'll be meeting all these different people and it's like a whole different world outside of Winship. Like we're super protected in our little oncology bubble, you know, yeah. so but that was a huge opportunity. Like, and I've met so many people, you know, that has been, that's probably the best part is you really meet a lot of different people from the, you know, other divisions in the hospital. I've met many different physicians and APPs and nurses. And so that has been amazing. I've really enjoyed that. And I would think that's probably been my biggest you know, growth opportunity there. You know, we, I, did you know we have people in LaGrange? No. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yeah. We actually have clinical practices down there. We've got the whole Emory at La LaGrange down there. That is amazing. You know, I think sometimes I only think about the network within kind of the great Atlanta and I never really think beyond. Yeah. yeah. So all the, there's like all these people out there. I had no clue. Yeah. So that's been great. That is wonderful, amazing stuff. So I, I feel like this is gonna be a difficult one for you, but let's see. What do you love most about your work and what you do? I feel like there'll be many things. It is, there are many things. And I always go back to still my first love and I have patient care um, like once, once a week, but I still love my Mondays with my patients. That still is the heart of, everything that I do. I feel strongly if you educate your APPs or anybody working with patients, you know, if you offer education, you offer ways for them to be happy and to love their job, it always affects your patients. Mm -hmm. So they are really, truly at the heart of why I do the things I do. I do. I love my patients. Um, so if I had to pick one, that would be my first one. Um, number two, of course, is going to be my fellowship just because you know, again, those are like my my babies. Mm -hmm. And then the third would be working with the other, you know, groups within the organization. You know, again, I really, um, I think I found my niche with the, that group that has just graduated. There's like this kind of, it's not a weird space, but it's just like this little space from when you graduate from school and you're starting your first job. And within that six months to a year, there's just, you know, there's so much vulnerability there. You feel like, you know, somewhere around six to nine month mark, you go, I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I should have really, I should rethink my life. <laughs> like you really do have those moments and that's everybody, you know, like whatever you were doing before, you probably were pretty good. And then you go into this place where you're, you're new and you don't know anything and you could, you know, you're taking care of patients and what if I cause harm or, you know, so there's a lot of anxieties and insecurities when you start. Um, but I feel strongly like how we take care of those providers really sets the tone for the rest of their career. Like if you have a horrible experience as a brand new provider, 
your confidence, it takes years to regain, you know. So I'm very, I feel very strongly that we should treat our new providers, you know, well and make sure we give them the education and training, you know, that they deserve. So, and that's for any new providers, you know, nurses, doctors, pharmacists. It really matters. First year really matters and it sets the tone for the rest of their life. So that's another real big passion of mine there. Yeah, I love the, um, I'll sum it up as setting them up for success. Exactly. Yep. That's exactly right. So as, as we are coming to our last kind of questions, um, overall, reflecting on your experiences to date, what would you say are your passions around education or your education philosophy? Um, I would say that the biggest thing is probably developing, getting a good foundation, um, realizing the importance of education, finding a good mentor, you know, that is just so important, having a really good mentor, um, you know, and definitely developing that love of, you know, education and see if you can find and if there's nothing like available in your areas to ask about it. Like I really, you know, say, hey, I'm really interested in training, you know, this person to do this. Or I'm really interested in helping with orientation or onboarding or, you know, providing education in some format, even if it's something as simple as providing you know, like education to the nurses or, you know, to the APPs, doing rounds, things like that. So um, I would say finding those opportunities and really going with, you know, that your voice and the love for education, I would say, are the main things. And like I said, finding that little area that really just, you know, gives you joy because that's what keeps you going. Like I said, I'm 20 years in and I still love my job. My husband says to me, you're a rare person that really still loves their job after 20 something years. I'm like, I do. I love my job. I drive my gazillion miles to work <laughs> and fight the traffic. <laughs> I look at other jobs as I drive by and think, oh, I could be there in five minutes. <laughs> but I come right on the Emory and do this because this is what I love. I I know we're doing an audio, but um, I want people to know the giant smile on your face as you said that is is so infectious. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so recognizing you are more than what you do at work um, that you have to drive so far to get to. <laughs> So what are some things you do outside of work to help you maintain joy in life and practice? Excellent. Well, I always tease Bonnie and say everything I learned about leadership, I learned in the PTO. <laughs> so I have uh, worked with the PTO at my son's school. I've been a Girl Scout troop leader for years. I just stopped when my daughter reached like 11th grade. We just quit from when she was in preschool to 11th grade. So Girl Scout troop leader. Mm -hmm. um, I enjoy, I'm a quilter. Yeah, I'm a quilter. That's what I love to do. Um, make quilts and also um, do some crocheting. Mm -hmm. so I like to do crafty things. And that's something that came on way like later in life. Yeah, I didn't do any of that as 
you know, like as a child, I learned to use a sewing machine at probably, I think I was like 35 or 36 years old. Mm -hmm. So I'm a member of our church's quilting guild. I'm the youngest member. <laughs> at age 48, I'm the youngest member. <laughs> but they baby me and love on me. And so that's the main things. Um, I have, you know, a husband and my two children and two dogs oh, and a horse. <laughs> Ooh, and a horse. Yes. He just eats his weight in gold and does absolutely nothing. And here I was waiting for you to tell me that, oh, you know, because, you know, oncology or you were like, he's a therapy horse. Oh. <laughs> he's a big, fat, lazy thing <laughs> who just eats. <laughs> Living his best life is what I'm hearing. He really is. <laughs> oh, I, I love the range of things that you have um, to support your joy in life and practice. Um, and you know, those are my core questions for you, but before we come to an end, are there any last words of wisdom, um, that you would like to share with aspiring educators or education leaders? I think probably if I had to say anything, you know, again, it's very important to find a mentor Try to find somebody as you're looking ahead, thinking about like your plans. Like that's one thing too, is always to be looking, you know, kind of ahead to see what you might be interested in. But um, look for those people who are already doing the role that you want to do. Mm -hmm. you know, so look ahead. Like, you know, if you think you want to do education, look to those people who are already doing it and, you know, talk to them. It's good. A lot of people are willing to be mentors, you know, so I, I have a mentee now and I've never done, I've never done this before, but I love it. It's been great, you know, but she reached out to me and said, Hey, you know, I would love to, you know, do some of the things that you're doing now. Would you mentor me? You know, but I thought this was a really great idea. I wish somebody had told me that it was a great idea, you know, look ahead and see what people are doing, whether it's leadership or education or, you know, try to find those people who are doing what you want to do. That's probably my biggest take home. Thank you. I think that is a powerful message to end off on. So with that, thank you again for joining us. Thank you so much. It's been a great opportunity. I appreciate it.